Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Things are heating up in Iowa for the Republican-nominated contest to be their nominee for President of the United States. 93 WIBC. It is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob Kebs here. Casey out today. Jim Merritt spent 30 years in the Indiana Senate. Um, Merritt, running for president seems like a horrible, horrible, horrible idea to me. You got to love Iowa. (laughs) (laughs) And you got to love New Hampshire and South Carolina. I mean, I got got asked this the other day. Is there anything, actually, and we'll we'll talk about it more at length. I actually did an interview with with Barrett News Media, and I've actually got the articles up at at Robin Kendall on Twitter if you want to read it. I mean, it's wild, And they called you? Yeah, it's wild, Jim. (laughs) We were told by the people at the Statehouse nobody listens, and yet they wanted to do a whole big write-up on me. You can find it at Robin Kendall right now. Um, And, you know, they were talking about... Do you have a desire to ever go back to politics? And we were talking about, you know, I took a much different path to get into radio, to do the show than than regular people. It's why I think I'm so despised by your friends down the street, because I saw it from the inside um, and just spent years plotting on the best way to get back at them. Um, But it just it seems like such it just seems like such an unwelcoming world to be in now. Like I come here every day. And I stroll in here between 7 and 7.30, and we have a good old time until noon, and then I head on home and, you know, I don't know, about 6 each night, start putting the, the next day's show together, and I I get to be happy each day. It, Run, it's a tough public, it's run, a tough world out there why, running why, for office. Why would I want to go back to be being miserable? And in the end, having done it, you're miserable if you do it right the whole time you're there because you're continually fighting people. Mm-hmm. You're continually up against people a lot of them who are in it for themselves or their amigos or it's just i was like i i got out of politics because i recognized at 31 years old 32 years old i was going to be dead of a heart attack or a stroke by the time i hit 35 and I'm, i'm not being i'm not being facetious or over the top about that i was so because you live it if you do it right you live it every day you certainly do. And, you know, when you go out and get your newspaper out in the driveway, you got to expect somebody to be there or a note to be in the newspaper. So, <laughs> you know, so it's an all-encompassing job to be in politics. And and uh, like like I've told you before, this $100,000 job for mayor, yeah. you've got to love what you do and you got to love people. And and it, it, it I, it's just a different breed of cat that it, that is in politics. And you know, it, it uh, you you get used to being around people, and and it seems like though these days, and I think this happened in the last five or so years, is where filters have come off. Sure, but but also when you you see polls and people when they respond to polls, they want you to fight for them. Sure, in, in, when you're in politics, but if you're fighting, uh, it becomes untoward. You see, a lot has gone on in the yeah. last six weeks in Congress. And and they're fighting for what they believe in, and and but but then all of a sudden, people don't like that. Yeah. And so it's kind of a squirrely thing, in my opinion, that people want you to uh, represent their their opinions. They want you to um, draw blood yeah. in, in the political sense, and uh, but they don't want it to be ugly. There's a certain- so it's very 
it's it's not real consistent of thought. There is, and I've said this for many, many years, being around these people at a lower level. There's a certain level of narcissism in every single human who thinks of 330 million people, I can run the country better than anyone else. Well, it, it goes all the way, you know, city council, state yeah. senator. I mean, I, 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 I've got to admit that you've got to have a little narcissism to go up and knock on a door and tell the individual inside the door why they open the door and it's a great thing that I'm there. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so we mentioned all of this because obviously there is a, a primary going on in New in Iowa. And um, yesterday was a big day for Ron DeSantis, or at least some people think it'll be a big day for Ron DeSantis. Not sure if it's going to make a difference in the end, but Kim Reynolds, who by many accounts is a pretty popular governor out there, endorsed Ron DeSantis and uh, straight up said Trump cannot win. Mm -hmm. Not only do we need to make sure that we elect someone who can win and beat Joe Biden, we need a president who has the skill and the resolve to reverse the madness that we see every single day. We need someone who will fight for you and win for you. We need someone who won't get distracted but will stay disciplined, who puts this country first and not himself. So there you go with fight. Yeah. And and look, this is just dinner theater for me at this point, because I was into it for a while. And then it dawned on me, whoever wins is going to let me down anyway. So what do I care who it is? I mean, it's just going to whoever, whichever one of these people it's going to be. It's not like DeSantis is going to get in there and be some world beater. (laughs) Obviously, with Trump, the the you know, the shortcomings are well known. Look at I mean, your your term one, Mm -hmm. the stuff during covid. So to me, it's interesting to watch it play out. We saw when Mike Pence endorsed Ted Cruz here, that made absolutely zero difference. Now, I think Kim Reynolds is more popular in Iowa than Mike Pence was in 2016 in Indiana. But does that do anything for you? Does, it, does a governor's endorsement matter? Well, in, in, in Iowa, it, it, it probably makes a lot, a lot of difference, a big difference, because it's a caucus state. Uh, everybody knows e- each other. Uh, this is Republicans. This is this isn't right now the the total electric. So you're you're slimming down your the, the body electric, the, the the people that you want to um, gain favor with. And so yeah, I think it makes a big difference. Uh, as you might suspect, Jim Trump was not going to take this lying down. No, and um, I don't know if you know this, but he is prone to get on social media and give his viewpoint kind of, punch back of what's going on on social bit. media. Yeah. Now, did you know, Jim, that I once interviewed the former president? I am Bill. Did you know that? That's the first thing I ever discovered about you. Um, that I once inter- That's why you agreed to be friends with me. And boy, what an oh, egregious mistake absolutely. that was for you. Absolutely. Uh, and as a tribute to that, the everlasting, because, you know, he did tell me, and, you know, I hate to bring this up, that I was terrific. I was a great dream. He wished every interview could be just like the one I was doing. And I hate to I hate to mention that, but I just we have to set this up as for the reason we do this as a tribute to that. Um, going forward, we have always played Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You when we read his social media musings. And I do them in the voice in which I picture 
being in Trump's head as he's pecking them out with his thumbs on his cellular telephone. Does that make sense? <laughs> Clear. All right. Ready, Kev? <laughs> Let's do it. And if and when Kim Reynolds of Iowa endorses Ron DeSanctimonious, who is absolutely dying in the polls, both in Iowa and nationwide. It will be the end of her political career in that MAGA would never support her again, just as MAGA will never support the Sanctimonious again. Two extremely disloyal people getting together is, however, a very beautiful thing to watch. They can now remain loyal to each other because nobody else wants them! <laughs> Triple exclamation point. Uh, uh, <laughs> he, 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 he has a way. <laughs> but the tea leaves are that Kim is a very popular governor in Iowa, and she's done great for education issues, and, and she knows everybody. Yeah. And uh, But it's, it's a typical it, response from Donald Trump. But it is, I'm always torn and on you those. do a very... Well, <laughs> thank you. It's it, Like I said, we would like to put on a show here. It, it, I'm torn, because on one hand, I'm like, that, that is the ramblings of a madman. And then I'm like, that's so brilliant, because he's the only guy who people care about. He's the only politician where you care about his social media. Right. Like, like, does anybody know Joe Biden's social media account or ever look at it? Uh, no. no. And on a daily basis, people are like, what did Trump say? So I'm totally torn on ramblings of a madman or brilliant beyond belief. Well, and that, and that uh, social media message just in lots of corners of Republican circles, uh, Kim Reynolds just got canceled. Yeah. Uh, okay, real quick. So DeSantis and Kim Reynolds did an interview. I think this was for Meet the Press. And they talked about Trump and his treatment of people who... Uh, don't do exactly as he said. You should want people who are delivering big victories for their constituents, standing up for conservative values, which Kim has done. And it's almost like with, with Donald Trump, if you don't kiss the ring, you could be the best governor ever and he'll trash you. You could be a terrible, corrupt politician, but if you kiss his ring, then all of a sudden he'll praise you. Uh, fair point. Yeah, sure. But you got to not fear that. Y- yeah, well, I, I, there you go. She said in her remarks that he will fight for you. And, you know, he fought Disney. Yeah. And and that got old to some people, and he got beat up with. And so it goes back to people want you to fight, but they don't want the res- they don't want to see it. All, all right, let's take a break. When we come back, Reverend Charles Harrison, you know him. Oh, yeah. Indy 10-Point Coalition. He's going to join us. It was another just horrific weekend of violence in the city of Indianapolis. 12 people shot. A bunch of people died. And so we'll break down on Election Day why we have repeated failures to secure the city of Indianapolis. Jim Merritt's in for Casey. It's Kendall and Casey Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It was a day, it was a 
was another out-of-control weekend when it comes to violence in central Indiana, in Indianapolis specifically. And the mayor's office, well, they continue to have, it seems, no answers. 93 WIBC. It is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob Casey's out. Jim Meritson for Casey today. Let's go to the WIBC hotline, joined by the Reverend Charles Harrison of the Indy 10-Point Coalition. Reverend, headline from Fox 59, 12 people shot in an 18-hour span during violent weekend in Indy. It just seems like it's the same thing over and over again. Well, it is, and and, and it's very troubling that we continue to see these kind of numbers. Um, You know, for the second weekend in a row, um, the city is is on pace for the fourth year in a row to have uh, 200-plus homicides. We're going to have over 1,000 people either shot or stabbed. Um, And and these numbers are just troubling. Uh, You know, when you look back on where the city was um, almost 10 years ago compared to where we are today, it's just hard to believe that we're here and we're still in this public safety crisis. And it's young people, right? I mean, the ages of these people being killed, 23, 17, 18. I mean, it's just it's, it's these young people. And you say, why are you doing this? Well, it's a part of a, a national trend that, that we have when it comes to young people, and now is in Indianapolis. You know, I'm on the streets, you know, three or four nights a week with the, with the OGs, um, and, and you just see so many teenagers and, and young adults with guns. Um, and tragically, um, because they have no more compass anymore and they have no regard for the sanctity of human life, they're settling their conflicts with violence, and, and they have no conflict resolution skills anymore and they can go from zero to a hundred you know just in a short period of time and and that's what we're seeing out here is uh, all of these young people using violence as a means to settle their beefs uh reverend charles harrison our guest with the indy 10 point coalition you know it's interesting reverend uh we i say we some of us here from wibc myself casey jason hammer we were in a story on the washington post that came out where they kind of focused on violence in indy and these downtown peace operators and that we got so much uh from, we got so much pushback from the trolls on twitter who were mad that we had the audacity to talk about how dangerous the city is and i'm Looking at this going, this isn't a Democrat or Republican thing. It's the city's dangerous. I mean, are we out of bounds saying that it's it's kind of a scary place to come to downtown Indianapolis? Well, I, I think we have seen violence spread all over the city, and, and it's one of, you know, the troubling, you know, facts about the reality of what's going on in the city now, and we have to really find a way, you know, to get control of this. You know, uh, downtown has become just like many of the neighborhoods in the urban core, um, you know, that we've been dealing with for decades now. Um, you know, as long as you continue to have um you know, these repeat violent offenders that, um, you know, get arrested and, and are right back out on the street and there's no real accountability uh, in the city anymore. We're going to continue to see, uh, you know, these kind of levels of violence and experience this kind of danger uh, in all parts of the city. And this is what's unfortunate.
Reverend, it's election day, and whether it's Hogshead, who obviously doesn't have any answers, but even from Shreve, like I didn't see anything from Shreve that I'd say, that's really bold. I didn't see anything from Shreve saying, look, I'm going to go to Reverend Harrison. I'm going to put him in charge because he's got the track record. I'm not saying that's necessarily the answer. I'm not even saying you'd want the job, but I don't see anything bold out there right now, and it seems like we need bold leadership like you have with the 10-point coalition. It's going to solve this issue. Yeah, you, you know, one of the things I've shared with, with both the mayor and, and with, with Shreves is they, they really need to look at what was working in this city. Um, you know, when you look at from about 2000 to about 2012, we probably averaged less than 90 murders a year, um, less than 116 homicides a year. And I felt like if we would not have trained, uh, changed course and strategies, we could have got those murder numbers under under 90. I don't think it's, it's rocket science, you know, to figure out, you know, what is working. I think we need to go back as a city uh, to this more bottom-up approach where we're empowering neighborhoods, uh, you know, grassroots organizations and, and faith-based groups like 10 Point, uh, working in partnership with law enforcement uh, to, to really curb this violence that we're seeing. And, and plus, we got to have uh, a prosecutor and a court system um, that is holding people accountable. And if we, we do those things, I, I think you'll see a dramatic decline in the level of violent crimes that we're we're seeing in the city, just like you know you know what we're seeing in in, in large cities like Boston, um, you know with with about six hundred sixty seven thousand people, their uh, minority population is similar to that of Indianapolis, and you know last year they had forty one homicides. You know I, I think Indianapolis can use those kind of models like what Boston is doing, and implement it in Indianapolis because we did you know. Um, over a decade ago and we had great results do you when you talk to people because obviously look you are out on the street you are out on the front lines you're you're in the violence prevention game but you also understand the people who do violence do you do you ever talk to these people once they've been either once they've been convicted or they've been released or whatever and say why did you do that i mean do you get an insight into the mind of these people do you understand why it's so out of control I, I think I do. I, I think I do. I, I think the OGs do. I, I think there's a lot of factors out there that's driving it. Uh, but but I think the biggest difference today, I, I think there's there's several things. One is as long as individuals feel like there is no accountability anymore and they can commit these violent crimes and, and not be held accountable, I think that's part of the problem. I, I, I think it's part of the problem for those who are not trying to do the right thing. We encounter a lot of individuals on the street that want to get out of the game, that want to do something positive with their life, and it's up to us uh, to provide the kind of wraparound services to help them. But then there are individuals out there who have no desire to stop being involved in criminal activity and use violence as a means to intimidate and to get what they want. And we got to have a way to hold those individuals accountable out out in the streets um, so that we reduce the number of people on the streets uh, who are not committed to to trying to do the right thing. And, And I think 
you know, when you compare 2023 compared to 2012, there's a lot more people out there on the streets that are not trying to do the right thing and are not being held accountable. And I think we see it uh, in the violent crime numbers. All right. Before we let you go, Reverend, somebody's going to win today, whether it's Shreve, whether it's Hogsett, they're going to be in charge of the city for four more years. What's the number one thing they should do if they want to get violence under control? They, they, well, first of all, they, they need to go with a bottom-up approach. You've got to empower these neighborhoods. You have to uh, empower grassroots organizations and faith-based groups to help be a part of the solution. And I think they've got to be more vocal about what's going on with our broken judicial system. Uh, I know the mayor doesn't control what happens in the prosecutor's office, but he has the bully pulpit uh, to really address that issue and what's happening in the courts. If we don't get our arms around these repeat violent offenders, uh, then Indianapolis is going to continue to experience high levels of violence in this city. All right, Reverend Charles Harrison of the Indy 10-Point Coalition, you are a national treasure. You're the best, and I wish you were in charge because I think we'd have this under control. Thank you, my friend. All right, thank you. 93 WIBC, it's Kendall and Casey Show. It's time to hear from you. Kendall and Casey present Voicemails. Brought to you by QC Kinetics for non-surgical regenerative medicine treatments at 317-559-PAIN. I'm so sorry. 317-684-8444. That's the phone number. 317-684-8444. We'll get to your phone calls in just a moment. But first, Jim, I got to say this. We were talking about this during the break. I am, I'm going to go vote because that's my obligation as a citizen. And I got to pick one underachiever that's going to lead our. There's only. I live in a town of 30,000 people, Jim, and there's one contested race. <laughs> that's pathetic. It is. It is. I live in Brownsburg in a town of 30,000 people, and there's one contested race. Mm-hmm. And it's underachiever one versus underachiever two. Now, look, ultimately, I'm going to pick the Republican, Mark Teakin. You know me, I'm an open book on how I vote, Jim. I know Mark. Uh, and. Because Mark voted against the tax increase. Uh, think about that. Five Republicans and a budget of $80 million, and they couldn't do it without raising taxes, and he's the one that voted against it. So I'm going to reward him for that. Well, conversely, you look at Westfield. They, they'll have a new mayor, and they'll have a completely new council. But the, but there's no nobody challenged the Republican for mayor, right? He's running unopposed. Well, that's, that right? that's exactly right. That's, that's exactly pathetic. Right. Yeah, uh, but they had they had a they had a good uh, primary. But 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 you're a city of uh, hell. I don't know what Westfield is anymore. And there's the not day. not one Democrat or Libertarian who wants to stand up and make this guy earn it. Now, mm-hmm. uh, Scott, what you talking about, Willis? That's the guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> what you talk about, Willis? Might be a fine dude. We had him on the show. Seems like a nice guy. I don't live there. I don't know. I don't care. Mm-hmm. But this is pathetic. Yeah. This is pathetic. On the other side of it, you've got open minds. You've got a new way. Uh, Mayor Cook is going to be different than Mayor Willis. A completely new city council. Yeah, but Jim, I'm talking about the overarching. Oh, okay, well, the thing that like we nobody runs, nobody steps up. There's no big ideas, and I'm going to go vote today and just hope that the guy that I pick doesn't let me down because we were talking about this during the break. I've given up endorsing unless I just actually know the person really well. This is why 76% of the people do not trust government. I can't because somebody asked me, they said, well, will you endorse Mark? And I said, no, I'm not endorsing Mark because I'm going to vote for him. You heard him. But... (laughs) 
I said, no, I'm done endorsing people because I can't tell you the amount of people over the years in local government who have come begging to me going, please endorse me. And I do. And they say all the right things. And some of these morons are on the council now. And then they're two or three years and then they flip and then I'm accountable for it. I'm done being accountable for it. I'm going to vote. But that's it. And it sucks because look at the mayor of Indianapolis. It sucks, Jim, that these two thing one and thing two Shreve and Hogsett in a city of what is it, eight hundred thousand? How many? So many, so many people have left. I don't know what the number yeah, is. I don't either, but people are leaving. I mean, eight hundred. Let's just say it's eight hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little more. Maybe a little less. This is the best. Yeah, this is the best we have to offer. Hogsett and Shreve. Mm-hmm. That's that's unbelievable. Well, it, it, and people don't come forward to run is because they hate the process. They hate the the sausage making. They 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 don't want their family life exposed. They don't want their personality exposed, and so people aren't running. Uh, and and uh, those that are um, are well um, financed by themselves or by somebody else. So to answer the question, I'm like James Earl Jones in Field of Dreams. What do I want? I want to be left alone when he's walking to the hot dog stand mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. Kevin Costner. But you still want your representatives to fight for you. Well. <laughs> Nobody fights for me anymore, Jim. I mean, it's just so I always, you know, look, I'm an open book on who I vote for. I, that's part of what we do here. So I am telling you without endorsing anyone in Brownsburg, because several people have asked, I'm voting for uh, Mark Teakin, and you can do with that what you want. Now, my buddy Glenn Adams, who is going to be a real rebel rouser, he's uh, he's running unopposed. And again, it's like town of 30,000 people, and I'm glad Glenn's going to win, mm-hmm. but it's like the Democrats can't find one. There's not one Democrat that wants to run against this guy because when people don't get competition, whether it's what you're talking about, Willis or John Stair or in, in, in Zionsville, when you don't have competition, you don't earn it. it, it when, when Todd Young got to, because they got, they got the guy kicked off the ballot last year on the Republican side who was trying to run for Senate, when Todd Young had no competition in the Republican primary, he didn't have to earn anything. And it, the state's so Republican, that, and McDermott was such a doofus that it's not like that was any any you know uh, viable threat. And look at what you get. He gets in there, and he goes right back to voting for the big government stuff, siding with Mitch McConnell, stabbing conservatives in the back. We, we don't make these politicians at the local level, the state level, the federal level. We don't make anybody earn it. I'm going to agree with you on this oh. one. Oh? Yeah. Uh, back in 1990, my Senate district was, oh, probably 60% Republican. And through the years, over the 30 years, uh, the, 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 the uh, district, 31, had gotten more and more competitive. And I think maybe because I learned more along the way, but I think I was a much better state senator when, uh, when you had competition, when you had eyes on you. You had to be sharp every day. You had to, you had to study the issues and make sure you knew what people wanted. And, and so and my constituent service was better. It, it, competition... Uh, breeds excellence in lots of regards. And look at the people running for governor. I mean, there is not a single one of these people that if you're honest with yourself, you go, boy, I'm sure glad they're running. Like, does anybody look at Brad Chambers and go, boy, thank goodness Brad Chambers is Well, we don't know. But you just don't know him. You you saw him at the Indiana Economic Development Corporation, but I don't think anybody, other than seeing commercials, Anybody can make a judgment on Brad Chambers and his ability to be governor. Uh, that is what really campaigns are all about, is is we should be asking. Are you fired up for any, whether it's Suzanne or Chambers or Curtis or Braun or, uh, 
O'Doden or uh, even Jamie Rittenauer. Who, who Robert, we said back in May that we wanted competition. We wanted it to be interesting. And that's how I feel about it. And the more people that get in, the but more it's, ideas. Yes, it's, it's like, I, I, but, I don't have a favorite. I want them to collide. I want them to compete. I want them to cut government. And I want them to make education better in the state it's, of Indiana. It's like saying I want to party with a lot of attendees. Do you want a lot of attendees that are like the people that are at Lewis Tully's party in Ghostbusters? Or do you want a party that's like the hot, the hot, good looking, fun people on the Miami Strip? I just right? I we, want right something now, to talk about on State House happenings. Our candidates for governor right now are the people at Lewis Tully's party in Ghostbusters. I want the candidates for governor that are the good looking, vibrant people on the Miami Strip. All right. So you're saying the cream does not rise to the top? I, I'm just saying it in a state of seven million people, it is amazing that this is the best that we can do. All right. Uh, I did want to get to one voicemail because this is the voicemail segment. So yesterday, Hammer came in during his segment. He did um, – normally he will do attack ads on listeners. You call in. You sign up for this. It's and he, funny, too. And, and yesterday he did a pro ad. Oh. Uh, switched it up a little bit. And Jeremy was the guy that he picked. And Jeremy at one point alluded to the fact that he had made my mother cry <laughs> – and we kind of thought at first he was joking, and then he said, no, I actually had your mom as a teacher. My mom was a high school English teacher for a long time. And I think he felt bad yesterday, so he actually called back to clarify. And now, having heard the story, I have absolutely no doubt 100% of what he said is absolutely true. Hey, Rob and Casey, this is Jeremy. I called the show earlier. It was on Hammer's pro-campaign ad. I just wanted to clarify that when I said I made Rob's mom, Rob's mom cry wasn't in a bad way. She's all-time favorite teacher, best teacher Brownsburg ever had. Uh, the story is she taught at alternative school. I went to alternative school. Had a canned food drive she was excited about. And she showed us where the table was, where you put the canned goods, and there was a can of green beans and a can of dull peaches there. Well, I decided to take the dull peaches and eat them. And right after I ate them, she figured out they were gone, and she started crying. Well, this is going to make me feel like a piece of crap, but it is what it is. I just wanted to clarify that I love Miss Kendall, best teacher of all time. I want anything that I did directly to her. Hey, Kendall, beach for a food drive. I'm a bad person. I get it. Okay, you got to ask the question, who's the guy who sees the food at the canned food drive and says, I'm kind of hungry. I'm going to have some of those, in this case, peaches, or whether it's green beans or corn. Kev, in your entire life, have you ever been somewhere where there was a canned food drive and said, I know, I'm going to eat me some of that? I used to do uh, service hours in high school. I went to a Catholic school, and I never once, it never once crossed my mind to take the canned goods. Yeah, I volunteered at Anna's house, and I, I never had that mindset yeah. whatsoever. But- Bless his heart, Kevin. I hope he continues to work where he is. He's got a great memory. That must have been some time ago. That was, um, yeah, that was great. All right, uh, Hammer is next, and I guess uh, he got into it with some guy at the polls today. He went and voted already, and he got into it. It sounds like a shouting match with some guy at the polling place. So we'll find out what happened. It's coming up next. Merritt's in for Casey. Kendall and Casey, 93 WIPC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Wait, you got into it with some guy at the polls? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Into it, into it. Yeah. So Wait, wait, wait. First of all, it's the Kendall and Casey show. Jim Merritt's in for Casey. That's Hammer. Hello. 
It's been an interesting 24 hours in the life of Jason Allen Hammer here. Yeah. So let's go back to yesterday. Yesterday, I thought we were all getting along, having a good time. Uh-huh. We even celebrated the night before the election yeah. with this fantastic reading of a poem the poem that I was the, po- the poem was great we were actually driving up to and we've got it here right yes. yeah okay i mean this i'm going to tell you this before you play it we were driving uh, up to life church in noblesville yesterday and i about drove off the road it was so <laughs> funny this thing is that good I, you totally deserve a, Mar- a, Mar- a marconi for this we were just trying to set the mood for the upcoming election was the night before the election and all through the city voters in indy were sad because both candidates are sh- <laughs> a rhino a rhino hogset versus shree two guys who hate law-abiding gun owners just like you and me 200 homicides a year in indy that's the norm brother and our only two options to fix this are two weenies that look just like each other. (laughs) They talk about abortion and laws they can't change. There's no record of Joe's whereabouts during the riots. Isn't that strange? (laughs) A loser, a fat guy, they're running Shreve's campaign. It's their creative input that's made his candidacy so, so lame. Joe's a total zero who allegedly drinks away his pain. Comedian Mike Epps, your thoughts? We got the mayor hot set in the house. Me and him was drinking all day today. <laughs> GOP gun grabber and mayor Frank the Tank. We're not drinking. <laughs> Neither one deserve your vote. I'm just going to leave the ballot blank. <laughs> the end. There it is. Bravo. <laughs> that was well done. I Thank love you. that. That was great. So we were setting the mood, and yep. I thought we're all laughing. We're having a good time. Mm-hmm. So the show ends, and I go up to the hospital last night. My mother-in-law is in the hospital. And this is, you know, kind of a serious deal. You know, we're crossing our fingers, hoping she's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. There was a massive brawl that broke out on the floor of the hospital last night. Yeah. At University Hospital down by uh, IUPUI. Um, And when I say brawl, this was every bit of chaos. They were locking people in the rooms. And bless her heart, she starts getting scared. And she's crying because you're seeing these just lunatics going after a a nurse, a male nurse, and beating the hell out of him. Wait, 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 wait. So you're telling me the violence was upon the nurse? So there was about eight to ten folks that... I, I don't know if they lost a loved one up there or something was bad. And they were yelling at the nurse, blaming the nurse. And the nurse was like, we need everybody to get out of here right now. And that's when the group snapped. Now, I don't know what all was said. I don't know if this was a racial thing because it was eight to ten people that were black and the white nurse. I have no idea. But I look outside the door and I see all of these family members beating the hell out of this nurse. And then here comes all the security guards to try to break it all up. And then they start telling everybody, back into your rooms! Back into your rooms! And like shutting the doors. Oh my gosh. I mean, that's violence. That's what went on last night at the hospital. And so by the way, everybody, please pray for Hammer's mother-in-law. We get that out there. And my wife is going under the knife tomorrow. And Hammer's wife. Everyone's I, just sick of you. Right. Like, I am off the rest of this week starting tomorrow. So, no matter who wins, if Hogsett wins or Shreve wins, I'm not protesting by not 
coming to work. <laughs> my wife and my mother-in-law might be having surgery at the same time tomorrow. That's, that is wild. But that, that's just like, it's like, full plate. What, what is wrong with people that they behave is this a fashion. male or female nurse? Male nurse. Male yeah. nurse. And the thing is, man, it broke my heart. He was a younger guy, uh, probably in his 20s, certainly wasn't a big brawny dude, yeah. mm-hmm. trying to do everything the right way. And these freaking lunatics just snapped. And What happened at the polls? So fast forward to this morning, you know, Chris and I get up to go vote because he's got to go to class. So we yeah. did it pretty early and uh, we're walking up to our voting center and... One of the campaign staffers that passes out the propaganda is yeah, there. Yeah, sure, right. And it's a worker for Jared Evans' campaign mm-hmm. who's running for council on the southwest side. Sure. Mainly west Democrat, side. Democrat, right? Right, yeah. right. Incumbent. And we're walking up, and I've got my Hammer and Nigel show hat on. Mm-hmm. I just grabbed a hat. I didn't even know what I had on. And he goes, you're Hammer and Nigel, right? It's like, <laughs> yeah. And both right well (laughs) these conversations can always go one of two ways right it's either i love your show or i wish you death um so and i've got chris with me and he's like you're the guy that supports micah beckwith (laughs) (laughs) micah beckwith he doesn't even live in indianapolis and he's not running for anything in indianapolis (laughs) he's got the wrong guy right (laughs) so like jared evans opponent is lisa schmidt yeah and he goes you're the guy that supports uh jared um micah beckwith And I was like, yeah, I do. And he goes, oh, so you support extremists who want to ban books? So at this point, it's on, right? And so I'm standing there with Chris, and I just look at him, and I tell him, hey, where have these books been banned? You can still find the books. No books have been banned. They may have been moved from a child's library at a school, but there's been no banning of these books. You can still buy yeah. these books. And I said, I've already caught you in a lie. We're done here. I'm walking in to go vote. So I get a few steps up. He turns around. Your radio show effing sucks. He shouted that at you? Shouted it out to me. You're, you're there with your kid. So I turn around and I say... F you. <laughs> and then he tries to play the moral high ground. And it's a big fat bastard. Too. They're always big fat, like washed up Ben Davis football player bastard. The kind of guy you see in the Bruce Springsteen Glory Days video, whose life is miserable, but he still got that state championship ring from Ben Davis. And he goes, I bet your son's really proud of you. And I'll just look back at him. I said, look at you and look at him. He's going to be the chief of staff for somebody in a couple of years. I think he's just fine. So we go in to vote. We come out. And I'm just killing him with kindness. Yeah. Hey, have a great day. Nice to talk to you. And he just stares daggers at me. And Chris is laughing at him. Oh, that's great, boys. There are some pathetic people in the world. What's coming up this afternoon? Uh, election pregame. That's what we got going on. So we're on the air till 530 because we've got IU basketball tonight. But we'll get as much in as we can. It is. Jason Hammer, that's Jim Merritt. I'm Rob Kendall. It's Kendall Casey Show, 93 WIBC. Oh, mamma mia, mamma mia. Mamma mia, let me go. Beelzebub has a devil put aside for me, for me.